Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 44 of DN Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my elven archer, Ben Bumhopper. How you doing, Ben? Hello there, Ryan. Man, uh, you you actually made me misfire on that one. I had no idea where <laughs> that. So perfect. <laughs> I guess I. We're just I gotta, we were just talking work. about feats. We were we were just talking about feats. Yeah, I'm and definitely not one that I'm going to pick as soon as I I hit level four in a game. Nope, not at all. No, I mean, <laughs> why would you? No, no, no. People don't choose feats. Never. <laughs> Man, yeah. that is. That is something we need to we need to talk more about feats sometime, don't we? I feel like we we talked about it like a ton, but there's always so much more to talk about. I know there really is. There's like because feats are feats are like uh, attribute points, forgotten brother. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and like attribute points are always a well. I mean, excuse the the pun that I just nearly just stumbled right into, but you know, there there's a, a good point to them you definitely want those attribute points. You know, there's an advantage if you will, but <laughs> I mean, it, when you're looking at, at, you know, your, your stats and you're looking at things that you can do, it's like, you know, higher numbers are good, but sometimes those little, like, you know, th- those little tiny feats can just be a complete game changer. Yeah, very much so. But we're not talking about no, that tonight. We've actually, we've actually got uh, a few other very fun topics uh, to go over, and as well as uh, some new Unearthed Arcana, mm-hmm. which is really sweet, as well as a Kickstarter We Like project uh, mm-hmm. that we'll talk to you about. And of course, uh, all the wild things going on in our own games. Oh, no, our games are so tame. It's fun. So tame. My goodness. Uh, <laughs> so to start things off tonight, we're going to talk about um, kind of just a, an overall, not even necessarily a D&D specific thing, but like a, a tabletop game thing in general. And mm-hmm. it's dealing with spread out sessions. <clears throat> and it's something you really might not think about too much, but there's a, there's a lot of different ways you can play. Um, some people may have multiple games a week that would blow my mind. I wouldn't know what to do my, with myself because I haven't had that kind of free time in a really long time. Uh, some people do weekly sessions. Some people do biweekly sessions. Some people do monthly sessions Mm -hmm. and there's a huge difference between all those, those groupings in how, you will approach those games as a player and how you will approach those games as a DM. Exactly. Now, personally, I've never done a uh, multiple sessions in a week type of game because that sounds just absolutely like, you know, the fantasy. <laughs> you know, I'm an adult with a full-time job. If I could play D&D every night or every day or whatever, yeah, sure, that'd be great. Um, that that that's the mystical unicorn that's just out there. Just, just I'm looking for it and waiting for it. But uh, that's 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 retirement, Ben. That's yeah. Like, that's what we do when we get to like our assisted living homes. <laughs> exactly. Is we we have all the time and we just you know gather around gather around the table and uh, and play D and D. You just picture the, what are the the 
the orderlies or whatever come up and say, what are you doing? I just killed a frost giant. Sure you <laughs> did, Ben. Sure you did. But I did. It was a plus five to hit. <laughs> I don't know, something like I can see that happening. That'll be fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if you're able to do those sessions, all the more power to you. That is awesome. Keep it up. Keep going. Um, personally, though, I'm, for the most part, uh, I'm stuck at bi-weekly sessions in um, two of the games I'm in and then weekly sessions in another one that I'm in. And I mean, the reason for this is a lot of it does have to come with the fact that there's more than one person in this game, because guess what? Uh, you know, whether you're, you know, still in high school or college or in the workforce or whatever, real life does sometimes, you know, interfere with some of those gaming or gaming sessions, as well as, you know, just other life events and things that happen. So first of all, if you are in like a, a weekly session or something like that, there are always going to be times where you won't be able to do it the next week. And that's perfectly fine. Um, for a while near the beginning of the pandemic, I was doing or DMing weekly. And as much as I really enjoyed it, it turned out that that wasn't the, the timing that was something that I can kind of keep up with and still have a, a good, and I'll call it a, a work-life balance, even though obviously it's not work. It is still something that you're putting a lot of time into, especially as a DM, that you know, can interfere with other places that also need attention. So after a, a really long kind of, you know, con consideration. I talked with my players about it and said, Hey guys, I can't do weekly. It's just too much for me. And, you know, we kind of had the discussion and everybody was more than happy to, you know, switch to every other week. And, you know, it's been a lot better for me because, Hey, I get a Saturday back, you know, every other week, as opposed to think about and prep all day and then run the game at night. Now it's, Hey, this Saturday I can chill or, you know, think about things to do for the next session, or maybe do a little bit of prep here and there as I have time. And, you know, it, it's worked wonders. And I think it's actually made the game better because of that. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, it's one of those things where like, if I had the time slash energy, I would, love to run weekly games. I would, I would absolutely love it. I would, I would jump at that, that possibility. Mm -hmm. Weekly games are, uh, are a, a good time commitment, especially for a DM because then you are expected to bring weekly content and most D and D games, I mean, are going to last a minimum of like two hours. Like, I don't think I've ever been a part of a, a, a D and D group that, ran sessions less than two hours no and i mean again there are i'm sure there's some games that are out there nothing I get, wrong with that yeah i guarantee you there are people that do and that can and if that's all that you can do and that's something everyone in, agrees on and everyone is on the same page for great that's great that it works for that but on on average and that that would be an interesting like like Twitter poll to run, like how yeah. long, how long your sessions go. But on average, probably a D and D session lasts anywhere between two, or th two and three hours. Um, and so when you're having to provide two to three hours of content weekly, that's going to be quite a bit on a DM um, versus something like biweekly two or three hours or, 
even monthly. And it's one of those things. So I run a, I personally DM a biweekly game. I play in a biweekly game and I DM a monthly game. The, the monthly game is really interesting because I try to run that roughly three to four hours because it makes it really hard for everyone to justify being able to keep going mm-hmm. unless we can get you know a decent amount of timing because you're playing on average 12, 11 to 13 times a year yeah which is not that much it's it's really not and so um you kind of have to cram in everything uh, as much time as you can cram in everything you can um and I, I think that kind of starts to go let, where we will kind of shift to talking about the the differences because when you're running weekly sessions one you can fit a lot more content in uh because you're going to be playing more often this is like i'm going to be playing 50 times a year mm-hmm. or high 40s times a year versus someone who's playing a monthly 11 to 13 sessions a year there's a lot more room for story there's a lot more room for extra stuff and so that's i think that's one of the biggest things i'd want to talk about or depending on if you're if you're a newer dm um or if you're trying to find some balance of of what to do the the amount of content you can fit into a weekly and to some extent a bi-weekly game versus a monthly game is is going to be wildly different because like in my monthly game like i just don't do a ton of like random encounter stuff yeah i don't do a ton of filler i don't do a ton of like traveling like we're going to take each day step by step type thing where is in a weekly game that might be your saving grace as a DM <laughs> to be able to take <laughs> that travel time step-by-step step and stretch it out over a few sessions while you're prepping all this other main story stuff on the side, mm-hmm. you're rolling random encounters. You've got little side things prepped to do during that time. Not that you can't have any of that at all in a monthly game, but the amount of it I have in a, a monthly game is going to be far less than I would have in a weekly game or even a, even a bi-weekly game, just because you only have this small chunk of time per month. And mm-hmm. so I want to give the players as much meat as I can, as much like story develop, main story type development, as much character development, as much time for, for role play and such. And because of those shortened time things, side quests and those types of things are going to be far less common in my monthly game than if I were running a weekly game. And it's kind of the same for the bi-weekly game as well that, you know, I, I do have a bi-weekly that only gets two to three hours at most every other week. We're not going to spend a ton of time in the in between, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to, we're going to spend a session or two in the in-between and then be to the next thing. It's not going to, it's, we're not going to go. I mean, the players might, you know, bunny trail or 
whatever uh, on different things. But then I will make sure to kind of link that in or make sure that it's a, it's a focused experience. Um, it, it, it's a lot less meandering, I guess, mm-hmm. just kind of, kind of around. Um, and you, you see that kind of stuff more if you watch something like Critical Role, for example, that is a weekly show. They take their time unless there is like some sort of timed timed thing that like they're racing against the clock for exactly the sessions like they don't have to get to a certain point at the end of a session they're not shooting for x amount of sessions before leveling mm-hmm. it just happens at at a point that's that's appropriate and that's what you get when you can play 3 to 4 hours <laughs> a week is you can have that longer form story you can it's it's the same type of thing we're seeing in um liken it to the marvel tv shows right yeah wandavision falcon and winter soldier you're seeing this long form storytelling in these marvel shows and so like i would liken those to like your weekly type sessions or maybe even a little bit at your bi-weekly type sessions and then the movies are your monthly sessions where that's there's still story there's still character development, but it's much more concise. It's much more pointed. And like for me, I like in my monthly sessions, especially I'm going to probably level my characters every two or three sessions Mm -hmm. just because it's going to take X amount of years (laughs) to get to to level 20 20 at Mm -hmm. the, at the rate we're going. So it's, it's, it's just a much faster experience. Yeah. And, you know, something that I've, you know, really come to realize too, is that, um, you know, having some of that filler works really well, like you said, you know, in, even in a biweekly session and, you know, if for some reason, you know, in a monthly session, if it's just not clicking, maybe you just need to, you know, let the characters or the players you know, just kind of run with it for a while, see what they're doing, see how they're going to be going at it and give them time to, you know, also kind of explore themselves as well. You know, you need to make sure you do have a session or two in there somewhere along those lines, because otherwise, you know, you don't get the the full experience. So, you know, choosing your time on how you play, like Ryan was saying, is very important, especially when you have limited time to play. You know, it's, it's the whole idea that, okay, well, you know, I can play one week or one or two hours every week, but that might still add up to the same amount of time as, okay, we can play four or five hours once a month. So, you know, balance what you can go with what works with your, your uh, group. And, you know, unless you're doing something where, you know, you are producing like a, uh, you know, a persistent uh, campaign show of some sort where you're, you're trying to nail, um, you know, like, okay, well, we're only going to have 12 sessions for this season or, or something along those lines. You have the chance to kind of, you know, be free spirits, but being the DM, you can really control and and tighten that down because when there's a huge long time in between sessions, that's when things kind of, you know, fall apart, uh, you know, story-wise. That's where people forget things. Like no matter how good notes are, things will be forgotten. And that's why uh, one of the big reasons, like even in my bi-weekly sessions, I always have a recap when I start up. You know, it's like, okay, last time, this is what happened. And there's multiple ways to do this. Which, you know, we'll talk about a couple of them. But um, one of the big things that I want to do with that is that I, I just jump in and say, hey, this is what happened. 
then we're good to just jump right in and go forward. We don't have to have everybody kind of question, okay, so what happened last time? Where were we? What's going on with this? And, and everything along those lines. On top of that, it, as a DM, it actually gives me a chance to really kind of reiterate what the, the, the important hooks were that I wanted to make sure that they did pick up on. And my group is actually really good at, you know, kind of remembering the, the different things and, and all that. But just in case, this gives me a chance to be like, yeah, and so you did this and you found this and then this was going here and then you're heading this way. Or, you know, I'll have a kind of a more general, hey, this big thing happened. We talked about it, you know, maybe the last two recaps. I'm just going to mention it really quick here just as the starting point of the recap for where we're going into just to kind of get everybody back in the, in the, the, the mindset that they were in. Um, I, like I said, personally, I like doing the recap. I know that some other DMs out there will have the players actually do the recap so that you get a gauge of what they're actually picking up from the sessions, as well as um, some people see it as a way to make sure that they're actually paying attention during the sessions. Um, luckily I don't need to worry too much about that. My players are pretty good about, you know, keeping an eye on, on everything that's going on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where getting everybody kind of back in those, those, those right spots, you know, like starting positions for a play or something, and then just jumping right in really works well with some sort of recap, at least that I've noticed. Uh, how about you, Ryan? Are, are, do you do something similar to that? Oh yeah, no, that, that's, that's a, a super good point to make because when you're, when you're playing in a weekly game, it's going to be a lot easier to just step back in to, to that character and remember what was going on the, the week before, because it's still, you know, fairly fresh in your mind. I, I mean, you just think about anything like that, that you do something and then go for a month, not doing it you're just going to forget it. It doesn't just, it's not just D and D that's like just I mean, things in general. <laughs> yeah. You forget how to play if you haven't played in a month, you know? Yeah. There, yeah. Especially, especially newer players. It's just like, what did this do? What does this do? Which spells did I have? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's totally a thing. Um, and I, I see that in my, in my monthly games. And so, yeah, one of the, one of the big things is, for my monthly, I, for both my games that I run, I do the recaps for. My monthly game is actually like fully written out like a story. Mm -hmm. I write it out like a story and then I read that back um, right at the very beginning of, of each next session. My bi-weekly game, I do something similar, but I bullet point it because I don't need to go into the depth and the detail and it's much more time consuming to write the story version mm -hmm. than it is to write the bullet point version. And so I write the story version to remind my players as much as myself, like more of the details about what happened. Whereas players in a weekly or a biweekly game are much more likely to remember the details once you hit the the major points in like a in like a bulleted list and so that's that's kind of how i've i've kind of got it for myself to be helpful is i do the the longer form story for the monthly group i do the bullet point summary for the for the bi-weekly group um and one of the one of the things as a dm too especially depending on the stuff especially if you're 
DMing a group that does monthly and DMing like a group that does weekly or something like that is you have to, you have to kind of set your expectations as a DM per group. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to expect a little bit more of my players in a weekly group. I'm going to expect them to know their, their characters a little bit better. I'm going to expect them to remember stuff from the session a little bit more than a monthly group where it's just like, okay, pulling up this character sheet again. Over time, yes, the player will get to know their stuff a lot more, but especially like when you level and all that type of thing and you're only playing monthly, there's going to be a lot you forget. So I, I am far more, I guess, lenient or I'm far more apt to be like lenient on a monthly group where someone goes like, Oh man, I didn't, I didn't remember this. Mm -hmm. It's just like, that's fine. Let's, let's just rewind it a little bit or yeah, you can just go ahead and do that. Or you can just go ahead and add that damage. That's, that's fine because they're again, (laughs) reading this with a fresh set of eyes, whereas like a weekly group and to a lesser extent, uh, a biweekly group, that's just the, you know, the, the middle child that, it's kind of, <laughs> kind of a little bit, a little bit of each, right? I, it's my middle child, and I love it. <laughs> I know. I have a, I have a middle child. I love too. Um, <laughs> but like a weekly group, I would probably be a little more strict on people knowing their character, or especially if they've been a level for a while, or you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And it's just like, I, because I. I, I'm probably going to try and help a little more on the monthly side to to get people back up to speed again. Whereas I put a little more on the players or I would put a little more on the players on the weekly side to be f- much more caught up and ready to go with their stuff because we're playing every week and they're seeing that sheet every week. Yeah. No, and, and you're definitely not wrong on that. Um, now, one thing that I do want to actually uh, definitely point out here is that, um, you know, if like me, you did go from, you know, weekly to biweekly or, or, you know, you go to monthly or whatever it is that you need to make the change to or, you know, whatever, um, just because there is more time in between doesn't necessarily mean that you have all this extra time to prep and do things for your campaign. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I do outside of, you know, just this show, you know, I'm in three different games. I DM one play in two. Um, I have other shows that I do. I have a full-time job, you know, it's just because it's like, Oh, well, you know, it's every other week now. I mean, that doesn't mean that I get double the amount of time to actually prep and everything. And if you do have to, you know, kind of, you know, pull back from like a weekly uh, game session or even from biweekly to every third week or month or whatever, Go in it, making sure that you're focusing on what you need as a DM to make sure that, again, you have that good balance going on. Because, you know, just because you give that extra time doesn't mean you need to put it directly right back into your game. No, no, I totally agree. It's, there's, 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 there's pros and there's cons to both. There's Definitely. challenges and rewards to both. Um, and so at the, at the end of the day, as a DM, you first need to make sure that one, your cadence 
is not burning you out. You need to make sure that the cadence you set or that you allow to be set will work for you and that um, it, it gives you enough time to bring your A game, essentially. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes your B game, it's okay. It's okay to bring your B game. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> you know, to be honest, DMs always love it when there's, you know, a good three, four hours, you know, a chunk of time in there where they say absolutely nothing, where the, the characters are just RPing amongst themselves. Those are great sessions too. That's 100%. when you can bring your F game and no one will <laughs> just sit back, take a few notes and, and, and kind of let it, let it go. Exactly. Yeah, those are, those are good times. Um, <laughs> But yeah, just make sure make sure you're taking care of yourself first, um, since for the most part the entire game hinges on you. Without without a DM, it's it's hard to hard to have a game. Um, once you once you figure out a cadence that you are comfortable with, uh, make sure that it is comfortable for the players as Definitely. well. Make sure that they can commit to it, um, and make sure that everyone is comfortable with basically the. Um, it's the, the lowest common denominator, right? It's the who has the most horrible schedule. <laughs> Pretty much. And, and make sure that everyone is on board with that. And this is something that hopefully you figure out at the very beginning. So it's not a problem. But sometimes things change. Life situations change. Life mm-hmm. happens. And so it's good to, when those situations come about, have that, that group meeting, that open transparent discussion and be like hey i as a dm have this or this going on we need to move to bi-weekly or uh this person has this going on um is everyone okay moving this to bi-weekly uh so that they can attend or if if not we need to figure something out type mm-hmm. type thing yeah. um so make sure make sure you deal with those types of things as they come up. But at the end of the day, as a DM, make sure that you're giving yourself enough time to prep and be excited and ready to be able to deliver stuff. And just know, since we're just talking about kind of scheduling in general, that if you're not feeling it or you need a week off or a session off or something like that, then just let people know and it's okay. It is okay. I've had to do that a few times and just say, guys, I'm sorry. I'm just not feeling it this week, or I just have an insane week. We're just going to have to push this or, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And that's fine. That, that happens. Um, don't make your DM feel bad about <laughs> no. that no, as a don't. player. Don't, <laughs> don't make your DM feel bad. Um, but then from the player point of view, it is good to kind of come up with, um, especially like at the beginning of, of a campaign or um, as these types of things come up, come up with some sort of discussion of what happens, what do we do if, uh, if a player has to miss? What do we do if two player, players have to miss? Um, there's no hard and fast math for that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's individual to every single group as well. It really is like there may be a session where um, you you may be like 
as long as three of the four here we're playing or as long as four of the five or three of the five are here we're playing mm-hmm. right um it's it's different for every group like ben said and you you can kind of those but those are good things to figure out so that people you can set at least some sort of expectations for those things but i mean there's always times where it's just like this person can't make it we're in a crucial part of their story um we need to push or we need to just run a one shot this week or or do you know something else because we i really want this person to be here and to play their character for this moment so exactly and i mean and if you are going to play with with uh missing players i mean as long as the dm's there technically they can just play by themselves and you know tell everybody what their characters did you know it's a possibility i don't recommend it i think that'd be a horrible thing to do but it is a possibility (laughs) or the dm could just write a book you know same difference but um, it really, and uh, I, I think that um, the, the biggest challenges that that's, would come from this is, you know, if people are just really raring and gearing and, and they have to play every single week, it's like, if you have a problem with dropping it to, to bi-weekly or something along those lines, then the problem might be you just tossing that out there. Um, now, if we're going from, you know, less frequently to more frequently and someone has an issue, that's completely understandable. And again, everybody talks about it and you, you kind of work with like what, what uh, Ryan said with the lowest common denominator. I mean, if it comes down to like, Oh, well, uh, Joe Bob over there, uh, he is on a weird work schedule for three months and isn't going to be able to do weekly, but he can do biweekly after that three months is up. We can switch right back to weekly. Once that time get, uh, gets there, make sure everybody's cool with it. Jump right back in. Everything's great. I mean, it, it you know, it all comes down to what we say. I, th- I think we're going to just start doing it in every single episode, which, which is communication. It's what it all yep. comes down to. Yep. At the end of the day, it's, it's all about communication and making sure that everyone is on the same page <laughs> as much as, as much as is possible. Exactly. All right. So, uh, Switching gears a little bit, uh, Ben, this is, this is something that you wanted to bring up and talk about a little bit. And I know we've talked about like skill checks and skill challenges and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but tonight we're going to talk about them in the context of groups. So you want to kick that off for yeah, us? Yeah, of course. Um, so like a, a skill check or a group skill check is something that uh, I actually threw at my players for the very first time last weekend. So it's one of the reasons why I'm like, oh, we should talk about this because I, I had to kind of describe what was going on before we did the whole thing because it's like I realized, oh, shoot, we, we haven't really done any of these before. And the idea behind it is that there's some sort of challenge that's happening and you want everybody to kind of contribute in some way or some form and really kind of work with it. Now, we've kind of talked about uh, like Matt Mercer's uh, resurrection ritual. This is something that's kind of similar and akin to that, except it obviously isn't just, Hey, someone's coming back to life. Everybody contribute somehow. (laughs) Of course, that's a very simple way of bringing somebody back to life. But anyways, um, so like in this instance, they might have, you know, uh, a, a, I don't know, let's say a, no, it's going too close to your game. We can't do that. Okay, let's say that they need to rob a train. And everybody 
has some sort of, 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 you know, thing that they can do to contribute to this. I mean, this is a horrible example. So I'm actually going to scrap that right away. We're going to say there is a log in the middle of the road and they need to get past it. <laughs> there we go. That's a lot <laughs> um, Now, the idea behind this is, is that, okay, you know, your barbarian could go up and just chop it in half and, you know, spend an hour doing that or something. Or through just various, uh, you know, skill checks, every player can contribute in some form. The idea behind it is, is that you're looking at whatever your skill is that you want to use for this and, you know, kind of give a narrative about what you're doing and how that can help fi or, you know, fix this problem. Um, so like, just as a quick example, the barbarian might say, I'm going to use athletics. I'm going to try and push the, the log, you know, off the road. And then someone seeing that say, okay, well, let's see. Um, gosh, I don't know. Um, I'm a cleric. I'm trained in religion. I'm going to actually pray to my God and, and, and uh, pray and hope that the, the giant log gets lighter you know, because they're kind of, you know, seeing what sort of skills that they know of. Um, maybe someone with like sleight of hand or something can look at it and say, okay, well, I know I can look at this and identify a, a different way to kind of maybe move or position this to make it easier to move. I don't know. This is a horrible example and I really shouldn't have gone with this, but I did it anyway. Just, just keep, keep digging. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to. Okay. And then um, maybe someone with, with, uh, you know, uh, nature understands that, uh, they say, Oh, do I know anything about this log? Can I, you know, figure out if it has like, you know, any sort of weak points or, or some, you know, other nature thing that I can do to, uh, move the log faster. And the whole idea, the whole concept behind this is, is that everybody is contributing to this problem in a unique way to, you know, get a success so that, you know, whatever the problem is, they're able to get past that. And what your job as a DM at that point is to do is to kind of figure out, okay, so I've got five people in my group. It, you know, if it's something super important, maybe I need four of them to be successful at what they do. Maybe three of them. I don't know. You know, you, you kind of figure that out on the fly. And then based on what they give you, in your head, you know, you figure out what sort of uh, difficulty they have and they roll, see if they get it. If they do, you count that as a success. Then the next person goes, describes what they're doing. They roll. Oh, they missed. Okay. So they have one success, one failure. We need to make sure that the next two people definitely get it. Otherwise they're going to fail the skill challenge. And one of the things that I like about it is, is that it, it really brings everybody into some sort of problem that's going on instead of constantly having the rogue pick the lock or constantly having the um, barbarian lift up stuff. You know, it, it gives everybody kind of a chance to stop metagaming and really work in a way that their character would be able to contribute into something. Yeah, no, I think, I think, uh, that is in a roundabout a good example. Horrible example. Horrible example. <laughs> it is it is a it is a very simple example. Maybe of, uh, animal handling could get the nearby buffalo over there to help push the push the log. There you uh, go. There. That 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 works a little bit better than there you go. Um <laughs> next day, sleight of hand, what am I thinking? <laughs> I've got a, I've actually got a really good example of this that I did. And you didn't jump in. Oh, I was, you know, <laughs> you know, I, 
I just want to make sure that you can you can say your piece. And I knew you were you were getting somewhere at the <laughs> by the end of it. So you know, it's listen to Ben. He's got lots of good stuff. I'm still saying that I failed that skill challenge. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so group skill challenges, especially, are something I I usually refer to. I I just I guess I just refer to myself. <laughs> in my games uh i is, is cinematic moments mm-hmm. um i kind of think of them as okay this camera is basically gonna zoom out from being focused on individuals to focusing on the whole so just imagine it like in a uh in a disaster movie where the group of people is trying to move through the city as flood is coming in buildings are coming down the earth is opening up in front of them and the car alarms are going off planes are crashing mm-hmm. i like things are blowing up and dead are rising they're, yeah they're yeah, the dead are rising <laughs> <laughs> and they're basically trying to navigate through all this stuff and make it out safely to the other side, right? Um, that's a big cinematic moment. And that's the kind of thing in my games that I use these kinds of group skill checks for. Um, just being specific, the time I, uh, one of the times I did it in my game was during a big battle. There was uh, lots of fighting going on. There was, there was enemies besieging uh, a portion of the city. The group didn't want to get involved in the main battle because that's just overwhelming. But they needed to get from point A to point B to rescue another member of their party. So I basically just had them do a series of skill challenges um, some groups, some kind of individual, depending on how things worked out, as they move through the city, trying to um, stealth group stealth to avoid um, marching patrols, um, getting uh, figuring out a clever way over these large chasms that were rent open in the ground, uh, figuring a way over this uh, lava river uh, that a building door basically opened up to the sheer cliff <laughs> and you had to get over to the other side um on the, the the street over so that that type of stuff and then depending on the outcome of the skill challenge whether it's you can you can have kind of a binary thing where it's just like okay three people out of the five need to get a 10 or higher on their skill check to make this succeed right Mm -hmm. or you can have you can treat it uh less binary and go okay there's if two people get this there's a fail if three people get this then it's a success but something bad might still happen or if you know four people get this it's a it's a full success Mm -hmm. um and these group skill challenges can be different you can have everyone using the same skill uh, for a particular thing, or you can have individuals using different skills. And usually when I do these skill challenge type things, I will require the skills that people use. I will require them to be proficient in it because it's like, this is what I'm really good at. 
So I'm going to contribute in this way. Um, so you can do that for individual skill checks. And then when it's like, okay, the entire group needs to stealth and depending on how it goes, uh, one or two people in the group may pull up lower crappier roles to get an overall success with the group or some members may bring the rest of the group down mm-hmm. and make a bunch of noise that the others don't have a chance to, to stop or whatever and alert some patrol or, or whatnot. And so that's, uh, that's kind of how I, I use the group stuff. Um, it's, it's been on my list as something I want to do. Um, because I've, I've used a very loose um, set of rules that I call cinematic combat, mm-hmm. where it's combat during these group skill checks, but it's almost combat in a form of skill check, where it's enemies that I know they can defeat, but it's how they defeat them is what's in question, not are gotcha. they going to. It's hey, you defeated this enemy as we're going through and then I can do cool cinematic narration around how, how it happens and what happens. It's like, yes, there's this enemy that comes up and then depending on a skill roll or, or a, a D20 or you know whatever in your, your particular strong suit, if you get two out of three, you, you take it down, but you're going to take it down regardless. If you do really bad, you may take 2d6 or 4d6 damage mm-hmm. during this moment. You still dispatched them, but you didn't do it cleanly, right? And so yeah. that's, that's, that's what I've been kind of calling cinematic combat and kind of taking combat and throwing it into a skill challenge at the same time without having to jump into an initiative order. And then you do get those cool moments still of the player going, yeah. And then like, it's like, how do you want to kill it in this moment with all this other stuff happening mm-hmm. around? And they say, yeah, I want to kill it like this, this, and this. And then, yeah, cool. You can narrate that. And then also throw in depending on how they did. It's just like, yeah, you go in and you get us and you, easily take him by surprise, take their arm off, startle you. He twirls around and catches you unaware, slashing your, your leg slightly as you bring your giant ax around and cleave him in two. You took roll, roll the dice, (laughs) seven points of slashing damage. Go ahead and mark that. And then we just continue. There's no, there's no break. There's no initiative. Um, you just you just kind of go yeah so l- looking at like that version of everything that's like in the original avengers movie that one shot that went from avenger to avenger to avenger and, and then had them all doing their own cool combat thing and kind of putting it together um and like just like the overall skill stuff i'm talking about like oceans 11 where each one plays their part to help contribute and the point of all of this no matter which way you're doing it is to have, you know, everybody contribute in some form, you know, um, there are always, you know, combats where, you know, the paladin might go in and just destroy everything. Well, by doing a cinematic combat, everybody has their own part. Everybody's able to kind of, you know, have their own shining moment, uh, with like a normal skill challenge. 
everybody's contributing in some way for like the ultimate success. And the, the big concept of all of this is, you know, you're playing a group game. Everybody really does deserve to have that spotlight on them at some point. And this is just one way to do it where everybody wins unless they really fail poorly. And then everybody wins because the story goes in an entirely different direction and exactly. you see your DM cry because he, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so yep. winner. Yep. That's, that's the thing. Uh, there was, there was like a, there was something on Twitter going around recently where, where someone was, was basically came out and said, bad roles equal good story. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was thinking about that and I was like, yes and no. Bad roles do not automatically equal good story. It's the players and the DM taking the result of those bad roles and turning it into good story. Yes. Sometimes the players by themselves can take a bad role and turn it into good story. Sometimes the DM can carry that load without the players and take bad roles and turn it into good story. You're always going to get the best result when the two are the, the DM and the players are working together to build that story and turn it. But bad roles just in and of themselves don't, in my opinion, make good story. Exactly. It's what you do with it as a group, as that collective that really turns it into good story. And you know, the best way to highlight that is that good roles also don't make good story. It, it really comes down to how you kind of react with it. Uh, it's one of the reasons why, you know, if, if you're rolling really poorly and you're having a really bad day of it, which I know I definitely have. It happens once in a while. And as a DM, like um, I, I think it was, uh, it might've been a plus five session where I was just rolling crap the entire night. But you know what? Some fun stuff happened because of it. And you know what? It's just how the dice rolled that day. And as irritating and frustrating as it was, you know, you do your best to always try to have a good attitude behind it because guess what? Today might be a bad roll day. Next time might be a fantastic roll day. You might succeed at every single thing you do. It's just how math rocks work. Yep. hundred percent. All right, cool. Well, let's uh, leave skill challenges behind because I think we got enough to succeed. I hope so. Otherwise, we'll just have to revisit it and I'll come up with a better example than a log in the road. <laughs> Seriously, what was I thinking? That was dumb. <laughs> you know, everyone starts somewhere and you know, early, early adventures, maybe a log. Just well, let's put it this way. My path is now clear for a better example next Your time. Your path is now clear. Um, so we're going to jump into kind of... Uh, new stuff coming out and wizards of the coast just recently released a brand new unearthed arcana for yes. draconic options. And this is super cool. Cause this basically takes the, the lineages um, uh, for like dragonborn and stuff and kind of tweaks it, adds some new rules, um, adds some new flexibility. They have basically change the the dragonborn over to the kind of the new optional system in tasha's where you 
don't necessarily have specific modifiers selected for the racial option. It's um, more the lineage type option where it's like put two in one and one in the other Mm -hmm. uh, for your attribute points. And then they kind of have rewritten their metallic, their chromatic, and then really cool. They have added gemstone dragonborn. Which actually gets me super excited because I feel like that means gem dragons coming at some point, maybe. And that just well, seems I mean, really cool. There is the sapphire dragon already. Yeah, so there, there we, is a sapphire dragon. We know dragon. there is that. But no, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, the idea of a gem born dragon is something that's very cool. And even on top of that, um, you know, we're, we're all kind of familiar with how the metallic and the chromatic have their different breath weapons. The gem dragonborns, it 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 starts really kind of getting a little trippy with some of the cool stuff that they have for their breath weapons. I mean, they've got force, radiance, psychic, thunder, and necrotic damage. Like, can you imagine? Like, oh yeah, I just gonna do my breath weapon here with psychic damage. Like, is how how are you gonna play that out in the game? Is it gonna be a screen? Is it gonna be just kind of like a, I don't know, you exhale and then all of a sudden just you know whoever's in your cone or straight line or whatever just takes damage from it because you know something's like like poisoning their mind i mean it, it's just it's really cool to think about there's so many different like differences between the gem and then the the other stuff that we're used to and it's so brand new that i am like extremely excited for some of these features that they have well and not only that just due to dragonborn being dragonborn usually they get resistance to the and then eventually um, immunity to the type of damage that they, they do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I don't, I don't know if there, there's immunity inside the, I know it's at least, at least resistance to the, the type of, of damage they do, which means you could have a character that could have resistance to radiant damage or force damage or psychic damage or necrotic or thunder damage. Mm-hmm. Like, damage types that are far less um, common common to get resistance to, which is super cool. And just sometimes far less common in general, um, like in the, the terms of like force damage or like psychic damage or something like that. But that's, that's really cool. And then gem dragonborn, they can speak telepathically. That's super cool. They get Dude. special flight level three is, at level yeah. three. Yep. Get uh, you get the wings kind of like the uh, uh, Asimar that have the the wings they can shoot out and get the the fight speed and stuff. You basically get something something like that. Um, there's brand new kobolds, mm-hmm. which are really cool, um, and they uh, have also added feats like gift of the chromatic, gift of the metallic, gift of the gem dragon, which allows you to to do certain things um like uh metallic lets you gift of the metallic dragon feet lets you learn the cure wound spell yeah and even more so you can pop out wings to protect people anyone within five feet of you you can roll the d4 and, and lower the attack on them and hopefully it's enough so that they miss i mean that is cool like imagine being a, a paladin of bahamut who's you know takes the feet gift of the metallic dragon and you're going to uh you know protect your your wizard buddy and walk up and 
and oh you're five feet away but guess what wings are out and and he can help kind of defend them and stuff i mean it's just it's a cool idea for an amazing like like awesome archetype as it is and then not only do we have the different feats but there's all these new spells that are coming in that go along with it as well which are so much fun like and i mean i have to go with the level seventh and draconic transformation because yes very it's cool. just cool you don't turn into a dragon but you might as well <laughs> i mean you get blind sight uh you get wings in, which give you a flying speed of 40 and then on top of that too you can just have a breath weapon it's just it's just that it's one spell yeah Last for a, a minute a lot of a awesome. lot of really cool cool stuff um Nathair's Mischief. I thought this one was was pretty cool. <laughs> yes. You fill a 20-foot cube centered on a point you choose with within range with Fey and Draconic Magic. Roll on the Mischievous Surge table to determine the magical effect produced. And at the start of each of your turns, you can move the cube up to 10 feet and re-roll on the table. And it's like a one-minute concentration. And I love... The the component to this is a piece of crust from an apple pie, which yep. is which is super <laughs> funny. But yeah, like the smell of apple pie fills the air, and each creature in the cube must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or become charmed until the next turn. <laughs> Bouquets of flowers appear all around, and something happens. Uh, each creature in the cube must succeed on a saving throw or begin giggling <laughs> until <laughs> the start time. of the next turn. Yeah. Molasses uh, appears in the air and then it's difficult terrain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it, it's just fun. Just little fun silly. things. Yeah, yep. So we will have a link to this in the show notes. Check it out. There's a lot of really cool stuff, especially if you're considering playing a Dragonborn character anytime soon and want to try and use some of this new Unearth Arcana stuff, you should definitely check it out. Exactly. Um, I'm actually looking right now to see if it's in D&D Beyond yet. Um, I know that they actually do have uh, a lot of the the newer stuff in as fast as they can. Uh, But trying to find where it says, go ahead and use Unearth Arcana in here. I can't find that, so I'm guessing it's just, oh, playtest content, though. Choose race, dragonborn. Uh, I don't think they have it on uh, D and D Beyond yet, but knowing them, it'll be there soon. Because I mean, they have like the Feywild stuff that released uh, what a month or month and a half ago in there already. Yeah, and this just came out like mm-hmm. maybe a week ago. Yeah, exactly. So it, it'll probably be in within the next week or two, if I were to guess. But I mean, the neat thing about this though is that. I mean, two of the things that we wanted were a Feywild source book and like a dragon source book. And guess what? We're getting little snippets of both. Yeah, I know. I was, uh, I was, I was kind of excited about that. I would love to get some official like 5e gem dragons mm-hmm. again, beyond, beyond the Sapphire. Cause they, they released that as kind of like a special edition thing with the, with the miniature and yeah. uh, the Sapphire dice they did and whatnot. But I would love to see the fully fleshed out, ones with the more psychic lean and that type of stuff would be yeah, pretty cool i think so it it definitely be a lot of fun and uh something new something new to play around with in your world because we're always looking for new fun cool stuff that's right um speaking of new fun cool stuff uh oh. we wanted to do our community content shout out this week for ouroboros coils of the serpent 
Um, this is a brand new project, uh, the first project actually from War Chief Gaming, which uh, for those familiar with Blizzard Entertainment, uh, World of Warcraft, that type of thing is from uh, the mind of Chris Menson, who did a lot of the story and lore of Warcraft. Uh, this is a new 5e source book that is based off of his home campaign that he ran for a, a very long time mm-hmm. and will have new subclasses, a brand new setting, a new uh, type of magic system in it, new monsters, new magic items. Uh, it is currently on Kickstarter uh, as of this recording, there's there's 29 days left, so there will be plenty of time to go back it if it's something that looks interesting to you by the time this episode comes out. They have shattered their $50,000 goal and are almost at $700,000 as of, as of this Within recording. Within 48 hours. <laughs> yes. Uh, so they, uh, needless to say, they are uh, expanding their stretch goals and stuff, but it looks like a very interesting setting. Uh, especially if you're looking to just have another lore book, world building book, setting type book, uh, or just even wanting to run a new campaign in this particular world and system, uh, go check that out. And, and we, we may uh, cover it a little more in the future. Yeah. I mean, it, it looks interesting. It's definitely something different uh, that, that's out there. And hey, like I said, it's always neat to have new stuff to play around in your own world. So whether you disp- decide to run this as a, uh, you know, a, a full-on campaign or you just want to pull from it, hey, that's what D&D is all about. That's right. Just borrow all the things you want. <laughs> exactly. Hey, guess what? You want a Sapphire Dragon already? Throw it in. If you want an Amethyst Dragon already, make one up and throw it in. I mean, that's, that's, right. that, that's what you do. I, in fact, I think there's a DMs Guild supplement that has uh, all gem dragons and like statted out and everything. I wouldn't be surprised. On top of that, I bet you in the homebrew stuff I think on I own Beyond, it. it's probably in there too already. Probably. People are very creative. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we'll have the link to that, of course, uh, on dndiscussions.com from the show notes. So definitely check that out if that sounds interesting to you. All right. So uh, before we head out, as always, we're going to talk a little bit about what we're doing in our games. So Ben, why don't you take it away? I I believe your party is currently on the road. Yeah. Well, it didn't start on the road. It started right after the killing of a false Hydra, which I got to say, um, when you look up false hydras and watch videos on them and think about how cool it is about, you know, being able to do, you know, like just a, a, a long arc or story and, and, you know, play around with what's going on in the world because of it, they never talk about the aftermath. So, oh boy, I had to figure out what a whole town would feel when all of a sudden this illusion that's been, you know, out there is suddenly shattered as well as them not remembering people who have disappeared from the town. So I kind of figured out like, okay, this is going to be easy to play out because there's a lot of mixed emotions out there. You know, people who feel no remorse, people who feel a ton of remorse, not knowing the person who, you know, like their, their family member who was eaten or whatever. And it, it was actually 
really challenging, but easy at the same time. You know, I didn't dump or jump too far into like the aftermath of the town, but we, I did want to make sure that it was spoken of, it was taken care of. And because, you know, the, the heroes did affect something huge in these people's lives. You know, you never want to just kind of sidestep that stuff and just, you know, Oh, forget about it. It's fine. Everybody leaves. Um, so I kind of let them fuel the, everything that was going on. And the neat thing is, is that so we have uh, our bard, who's a Goliath, who, you know, her entire life has been, you know, one of like kind of persecution, one who has been driven out of towns before for just, you know, random things that she's done because, you know, she isn't in a world of, of you know, civilization and stuff. You know, she's only kind of learned this over time. Meanwhile, we have our cleric who has a noble background who obviously is there in a cleric and wants to help out. So, you know, they were role-playing their butts off, working really well, trying to, to, you know, figure out what to do. And the barbarians like, or not the barbarian, the Goliath is all like, let's get out of here because they're going to drive us out of town. They're going to try to kill us. And, and then the cleric, he's just sitting on her. No, we need to help these people. I mean, it was, it was a great discussion going back and forth. Uh, ultimately they ended up, uh, talking to the the lord who they're traveling with to get to this trade summit and he addressed the town being you know used to leading a town before you know they kind of gathered everybody up and they talked about it and and you know explained everything that happened uh you know told the story of the town so that they know what's going on and obviously there's this giant dead body underneath the mayor's house that they can look at to be all like see this thing was real it happened <laughs> so you know there were definitely some townsfolk who were like you know, BS, I want to see this thing. Um, so then, you know, they, they did what they could. They kind of hung out for the day. They, they helped out. They, you know, walked around, talked to people, kind of assessed the damage of everything. And then um, our rogue had a, you know, very great idea of, you know, let, let's hold a candlelight vigil for everybody who's passed. You know, that way it gives some sort of closure, some sort of outlet to the people who need it it brings the town together to, you know, set up and create this thing. And it worked really well in just the grand scheme of things because uh, the players were able to kind of all, you know, interact, do what they needed to do to kind of, you know, have their own sorrow and mourning period from, you know, the party member that they didn't even know they, that they had, as well as, you know, help the town kind of get past it. It worked out really well. And I, you know, I say it every week, but I'm super proud of my players. They're doing such an awesome job with this, especially after I was a you know total jerk and threw this thing at them in the first place. <laughs> so it was nice. And then they went on the road. And um, just because they're going through this place called the Everwild, that is like the super duper dangerous place. I can't just have them skip the travel. We've got to have some fun with it. <laughs> sure. And they're, Again, there are times. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> there are times, even in like biweekly or monthly campaigns, where even travel fits the story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, so you know, I went ahead and I made a table for them to you know roll off of different you know various encounters, and uh, wouldn't you know it, the first one was something that I was absolutely super happy about that. I'm like, Oh, we're going to see where this is going to go. It could go in a hundred different ways. And uh, it started off with them seeing something shiny off the, you know, off the road, just a little bit into the forest. So instead of stopping the whole caravan, they just kind of slowed down, but kept going. And then uh, three of the players hopped off 
and ran in to see what was going on. Turns out it was, you know, a treasure chest, just this gold just piling all over the place. They're like, oh, this is totally a trap, you know. Why wouldn't it be? It just random treasure chest in the forest. Yeah. So we did a little <laughs> When bit- you, the DM going, guys, I'm just trying to give you gold. Exactly. Like, <laughs> come on, just take the gold. Yeah, why why wouldn't this ever happen? I mean, you're getting paid really well for this. I just like to throw money at you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, after a little detect magic, turns out it was an illusion. Amazing, right? <laughs> um, and what turned out is that uh, this, this big horde of pixies, like they still have no idea how many there were, but huge horde of pixies were in this area and they were just you know, messing around with anybody who went by. And I was going to just be a, you know, be a total pranking pixie guy on them for like the rest of the day. And turns out um, the bard just almost immediately just uh, like pulled out some food and did a huge grand gesture of like, Oh, wonderful Frey Crete, like, you know, praising them and about how, how amazing their illusion was and everything. I'm just all like, okay, cool. This works. They like them. So they still followed him because they liked them and uh, you know, played some tricks on him. So, you know, totally harmless things like, you know, tying their bootstraps together and uh, you know, drawing on people's faces while they slept and not not that group because you know they were super nice but the rest of the caravan you know woke up with that <laughs> you know, may, maybe a couple shiny things here and there might have been taken but you know not from the main party because you know they appeased them so well but like i had a lot of fun with that just because it's like here's this horrible terrifying dangerous place and depending on how they played it it could have been really bad for them because pixies aren't the nicest if they don't like no. you no they've got they are a, a low CR creature with polymorph. Yup. <laughs> so yeah, if they pissed them off that night, uh, a lot of people are going to be waking up as animals, but uh, yeah, didn't happen. So they did a good job with that. <sighs> That's so disappointing. Uh, yeah, it is. But at the same time, who knows how they're going to be coming back through the forest or if they're just going to teleport back to the other town. I don't know what's going to happen at the end of this arc. So they need to find, you need, you need there. a group of meaner pixies. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, I mean, spoilers for my people. Cover your ear, you know, earmuffs for a couple seconds. I'm aiming for them to go to the Feywild at some point. So we'll see how that, that plays wizards out. Feywild book, please. Yeah, Feywild it'll be, book, please. it'll be handy. But uh, so other than that, then you know, next day they're traveling, rolling on the uh, on the chart. All of a sudden, they start hearing these these large leathery leather, leathery wings flapping. So they very quickly are like, "Oh crap, we've got to hide. Something's going on here." So they pulled kind of off the road. Actually, no, sorry, I take that back. They got lost in the forest and heard the wings. So then, what they did is they tried to position so that they had you know more uh, of the canopy over them. And then this is where the skill challenge came in trying to do a bunch of different things to you know uh try to disguise them you know as opposed to just using like stealth or something so they were really creative with a lot of stuff they did there was uh like one person doing press digitation doing like animal noises or no minor illusion doing animal noises to be all like oh movement over here it's only little you know like animal life um some of the press digitation started putting uh, like like just tiny fires around to create smoke so that they would be covered by smoke and then the, the original person started um, changing the presentation to like animals running away and being scared and stuff. And uh, 
I mean, just like overall, all of them put in, they contributed, and they did well enough that the dragon flew right over. It knows something's up, but it flew right over. Scary. Yeah. I mean, it, it was pretty tense. So then um, took them a little while. They found their way back onto the road and then uh, continued on camp for the night. Then next morning, had them go ahead and roll for what's coming up next. They rolled. I'm like, okay. Had them roll again. Okay. Needed them to roll one more time. Okay. Then we ended it. So uh, next session, they're going to find out what they rolled for. Excellent. Very fun. Yeah. I'm, I, I thought about uh, introducing it and then, you know, having it end there. But I'm like, no, I like the idea more of not having any clue what's going to happen. Suspense. Today. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, That's fun. It was. You know, travel isn't always the funnest time. And as a DM, I might be having more fun than they are. But at the same time, you know what? It's a good use of custom-built random tables. Yeah, exactly. And I've got a bunch of stuff that they can run into. And they rolled really well. And the fact that those tables weren't throwing combat at them right away. So good job, guys. Um, but Ryan, your game though, oh man, I've been dying to know what's been going on with this heist. Oh yes. We, we left, we left the party, uh, (laughs) with standing outside of this glassy mirror vault like thing. Uh, we, we picked up there super nervous to go in. So like stuck an arm in to see if it would like suck them in or something, then stuck the head in and I, I described it as they started seeing going in and seeing this. It's basically this like what um, it's what ended up being a pocket dimension. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vault was kept in a pocket dimension in the house. Uh, but it was like this, the starscape with these purple and black streaks kind of all through the sky with this purplish black stonework platform that you could walk out onto no edges or no, no like barriers. It was just like, this so it's a star flat. Wars platform. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Basically a star Wars platform. <laughs> if you fell off, who knows what happens? I do, but they didn't want to find out apparently. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so inside this vault, there was, there's lots of cool tantalizing things there's this box with gemstones on it uh there was this uh there was the wand that they were looking for there was a Mm -hmm. deck of cards there was a large giant hammer um there was a cylinder with a carbon copy of their hostess floating in it oh it's kind of interesting. That is uh, interesting. And then a huge uh, ancient wooden ship Ooh. at the at the end. Uh, so um, they had uh, they had pilfered the. This was in the library. They had actually gone and pilfered the small safe that was in the master bedroom, and the small safe contained contained a a pair of gloves with the double diamond symbol of the, the house mm-hmm. on it. And all these pedestals had the, this double diamond symbol on them. And they were able to put two and two together and they figured out, oh, I wonder, do these gloves let us 
takes stuff. Oh. And so it turns out, yes, they did. Uh, so they put on the gloves and they were able to take the little glass stuff off the, the pedestals and take the items they needed without anything happening with without alarms going off or, or whatever potentially could have happened, happened with that. The, <laughs> the ranger peeked in the ship and saw a huge opening toward the middle and a massive pile of gold that was spilling Ooh. out. Um, That's always fun to kind of pilfer. It is. And by golly, she was, right on the edge of wanting to go in, (laughs) but everyone else is just like, no, we need to get what we came for and leave. (laughs) I think the the whole atmosphere and the whole like pocket dimension area was kind of making them nervous. The biggest thing actually that they kind of deliberated on was what to do about the body floating in the cylinder. Oh yeah. They it's like, is, is the one that's out there a doppelganger of some sort uh, what is this? The, the cleric, the, the grave cleric actually checked and I was like, it's not alive, but it's not dead Ooh, either. Some sort of suspended animation or something. Yeah. Something like that. So, hmm. uh, but yeah, so they, they agonized over that a little bit, but in the end they decided to, to leave it and just kind of keep the information. Um, all of them were basically, let's get out, let's get out so we can get, <laughs> get the rod, get the rod out. And, uh, our rangers just like no there's stuff and tried to go pick up the chest couldn't it was too heavy ended up going snagging the the deck of cards okay uh, and and because Le- everyone was just like we're leaving we're leaving now <laughs> <laughs> and so they they actually ended up getting out uh the uh the aarakocra turned invisible and flew out the window oh and was able to take the object in their bag of holding fly out the window to the drop point. And that was that the others, Smart move. Uh, yeah. The others then basically kind of, they were pl- pretending to be a family, uh, <laughs> had a little bit of a confrontation with, with the hostess before, before they left. Cause they were leaving early. Yeah. Um, Which one but, doesn't do, but, uh, our halfling wizard was pretending to be a child who was sick, which was, which is super funny. And so, yeah, they ended up leaving. They ended up dropping the, the item off. Didn't even identify this crazy magic item, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny uh, that they were for their benefactor, the, the, their merc- the basically mm-hmm. the head of this, this organization. Um, and then they were handsomely rewarded with, uh, custom built magic items by me uh, the next day and they gave kind of the report uh, on what they did and so next session uh, is basically going to be several days of downtime stuff cool. in this in my huge capital city there's tons of stuff to do they have some of them have a lot of money burning holes in their pockets that they they want to buy stuff with so i basically at the end of the session was just like i need everyone to basically tell me what what was your character want to do for a few days while you're in elathar because Mm -hmm. there's several of them are from the city um and the uh nook the little goblin basically uh it's kind of like this was james bond he's q 
like mm-hmm. he's, the, he's the guy the information dude okay um, he's going and gathering stuff and looking at the report uh because there's a lot of interesting stuff that they found in the vault and things they found out uh so he'll have new jobs for them probably uh the next session but uh they'll also have a chance to go do things individually and go do things in pairs or in a group so it'll be it'll be i it I don't do tons of downtime sessions just because we have, I do a monthly and a bi-monthly or bi-weekly campaign. There's not a ton of time for it, but there, I love downtime sessions when they can fit in because they usually provide really good character moments. Yeah. Really good RP. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing this with all of them, exploring some of the characters, a little bit more um hopefully they can find some stuff they can buy some stuff uh and then they can decide what they want to do next so Very that's cool. what that's what that is and my main my main my first group um is fully vaccinated now hey and so we actually scheduled our first in-person session in over a year and we're going to be meeting may 15th Oh, that's uh, great. On Saturday. And we're going to do like two o'clock in the afternoon and just play for a while, have dinner and then play for a while again, because this is, this is, this is the big one. This is the culmination of <laughs> trying to stop what is going, the corruption that is going on in this city called Arundel, um, that the, cleric is originally from and they've just been working towards this elathar sent uh troops over that are currently fighting demon hordes uh last session they went in and they basically the, the, the whole session basically ended up being a uh kind of a sneak undercover type run where they opened the front gates mm-hmm. open the portcullis open the front gates under the nose of all the uh, this this legion and gave the army that was here an entry point to to kind of set up a set up their stand and then a launching point to go try and the, figure out how they're going to get up several hundred feet onto this large floating area of the city to stop whatever craziness is going on there. So fastball special. We're gonna that that's gonna we're gonna play that out out over probably seven or eight hours that Saturday first, first session back together in person in over a year, we're going to do it big and it's hopefully going to be really cool. That so sounds like a lot of fun. Too. I think you're going to enjoy it. I hope so. I think, I think that one's going to, everyone's, everyone's excited to get back in person. Like it's nice that we've been able to do digital and online stuff for the but last yeah, year, but we're, it's not the same. We're ready. We're ready to get back in person. Yeah. I kind of wish we could do my game in person, but it's okay because digital's working pretty well for us. Yeah. All I need is that last person to move to the same city as us. <laughs> and then and you're, you're looking set. at something different. <laughs> That's right. Then you'll be set. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. That's what's going on with our games. And of course, we'd love to hear from you what's going on in your games, any questions you might have. Uh, So Ben, why don't you tell everybody how we can be reached? 
You bet. Um, so if you have, uh, you know, a really long story that you want to tell us or something that, you know, you think is a good suggestion topic or you have any questions overall that you want to ask us, uh, email is a great way to do that. Uh, believe it or not, people still use email and uh, you can just send us one very easily by sending one to dndiscussions at gmail.com. Now, if you have something that is uh, easily able to be thrown into, say, oh, I don't know, 240 characters or so, um, you know, go ahead and uh, reach out to us on Twitter. That uh, Twitter address is going to be at Dean Discussions. And if for some reason you're all like, you know what, I want to talk to Ryan more about his heist. It sounds amazing. You can reach just him at TBK Zord. Or if uh, you want to talk to me and be all like, dude, pixies are stupid. What are you doing? Uh, you can always tweet at me. I'm at Ben Bumhofer. Or, you know, if pixies are cool, you can always just tweet at me there for that, you know, same reason, whatever. Um, but Overall, if you're like, man, these guys sure talk about D&D a whole bunch. I bet they don't even play. Well, first of all, listen to the whole episode because we tell you about our games. But on top of that, <laughs> there's an entirely other show that we can recommend called Plus Five to Hit. Uh, we are both players in a persistent campaign that's uh, currently going through Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. And I got to say, we're doing some really fun stuff. And uh, man, there were some consequences to some bad choices. A little off the rails at this yeah, point. Yeah. A little off the uh, rails. If your Rhyme of the Frost Maiden playthrough is anything like ours, good job. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we learned some lessons, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, next session because, boy, oh, boy, is it going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff happening. Um, yep. So check out Plus 5 to Hit. We would really appreciate it because we've had a lot of fun doing that. Um, this show, though, DN Discussions, guess what? Every single episode is available on dndiscussions.com as well as on your podcast pod podcast player of choice. So yeah. It's an entire pod class of its own. E- exactly. The pod class. <laughs> That's when we wear ascots and drink out of champagne glasses. Fan- know, fancy D&D. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, you know of advanced D&D. Well, we play fancy D&D. <laughs> D&D in a mansion. <laughs> That's the D and D in the castle. Yeah, so we have other people roll for us. <laughs> no, I would never do that. No. that. That's the fun part. Exactly. Never have people roll for you. <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks, <laughs> thanks everyone so much. Uh, take care, and we'll continue to bring you more awesome D and D content next time. Yep. And until that time comes, everybody, be good to each other. And goodbye.